Hey, Mommy, I have a message for you. It's been 11 years since you've been called home. And though it may sound selfish, I never was ready to let you go. Though losing you is a wound that never heals, I just get better at coping. And there's not a day that goes by where I don't feel your presence and I'm not thinking about you. I appreciate your smile. I appreciate your comedy. I appreciate you just being a soulful person. I appreciate your energy and I appreciate you for just instilling tenacity and resiliency in me. That's how you lived your life. I want you to know that despite all of the challenges that that happened after I lost you, I want you to know that I've accomplished everything and then some that you wanted me to if you were here. And so I want you to know that I'm okay. And I'm on a different journey. I'm on a different mindset. I'm on a different focus. And I want you to know that if you felt that anybody has ever let you down in regards to me, I want you to forgive them. And let's love them. Because this notion of hurt people hurt people is an excuse. And I'm not mad. I've, I've did the work that I needed to do to begin this healing process. And I'm okay with everything that happened. And so together, I want you and I to be at peace. And I want you to walk with me. And this still true to myself journey. We will have many, many discussions on different aspects of life and how life happens to others and how they turn that energy to find their passion and turn that passion into profits. Mommy, I want you to know that I am breaking generational cycles, starting with ownership, starting with my degree, starting with enlightening others. And I think that I am living up to my purpose and I am ready to put in the work. So I want to say I thank you for choosing me to be your daughter. And I thank you to be blessed to, to say that you're my mom. I love you and happy, happy anniversary. Coming, coming to you loud and clear. Like your brain attention. Welcome to Still True to Myself podcast. Join us as our goal is to enlighten individuals as they overcome and heal from generational trauma and adversity. Join the Still True to Myself podcast team as we assist you in your journey to live, create your own life, and remain true to yourself while doing it. On today's episode one, The Rebirth, I have my mentor, Tiffany Marie, who can attest to the trials and tribulations that I have faced and how true to myself has transformed to what it is today and how we continue to grow, how we continue to do the work. This woman does amazing work in the community and what our young people, predominantly our black and brown people. This woman is an artist and she's sensitive about her shit. <laughs> but please allow me the pleasure to introduce you to Tiffany Marie. She's one of my mentors. She's really one of the people that um, laid the foundation to how true to myself became what it is and who I am today. Um, so Tiff, if you could go ahead and take it away and introduce yourself. Yeah, um, but I identify as Tiffany or Tiffany Marie, um, an educator in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area for about 15 years now. I'm an artist and uh, I'm just really honored to be here and to have watched you grow over the years. And so it's, it's, a, it's a distinct honor to be featured on your first podcast. Oh, wow. I appreciate it. Um, thank you so much. Um, and so I ask that you um, 
joining me on today's show because I think that um, because this is my first podcast and this is my first episode, I believe that it would have been groundbreaking to have a conversation um, with you from when we first met um, to kind of discuss the process um, of just who Zenaida was and who I became over the years, um, given the trials and tribulations. Um, and so some of the questions that I'm interested in asking, um, as, as we could discuss as well, is just um, what did you see in me that wanted you to invest in me as a person? Um, and like solely, how does that kind of align with the work that you do today? Yeah, I think we we met when you were like 16, right? About, about 15, 16, yes. 15, 16. Yeah, and I just have a a memory of you in my class. You was always on your phone. Like, I'll never forget that. And um, I would consistently talk to you about being on your phone. But from from <laughs> during that time, you used to be making moves already. You was already working on stuff, establishing things, hustling as a teenager. And so very early on, I saw that you were, you know, really independent and, um, and then, you know, the minute where I, I thought I could tell you something or teach you something, um, I learned myself that there were so many things that you could teach me uh, as it relates to resilience, as it relates to um, compassion. And so just watching you, I think, and learning from you is the epitome of, of why I'm still in, in education in this, this work, because there's so much to learn. Y'all are already enough who you are and how you come into this world and how you walk through this world is already enough. And I think so much of our work, you and I's work together has really just been pouring into each other. And I don't know if you identify as a person who was pouring into my life, but you've taught me so much about what it means to love, so much about what it means to hustle and not in a way that's going to kill you, but hustle in a way in which you make promises to yourself and you stand by that. And I saw that in you very early on. And, um, I, it was definitely a project. You were definitely a person and the work you were doing were definitely projects that I felt like I needed to be a part of. And, um, you know, you gravitated toward me. I'm not sure why, but you trusted me. You trusted me with your, um, experiences. You trusted me with your heart at some point. And we, you know, we've been here ever since, but I think, like I said, for very early on, you were hustling and I would try to warn you about your phone and you would tell me, you got it. <laughs> and you did. And you did. And and as much as you never followed the convenient pathway, you never look like what other people look like, what other students I've taught look like, you still hustled and you still finished strong. And so that's always been um, extremely captivating to me. It's always been intriguing and interesting to me about you and that you don't take the same pathway as other people, you do your own thing. Um, and it, sometimes it's like you pr you prefer to not take a road that's, that's been paved um, because there's so much beauty along that way. And, and, and as you and I continued our journey, we would talk about the beauty and struggle. And sometimes like when you think about a hike, there's, the, there's the, the road or the route or the pathway that's paved for you, which some people experience. And then some folks closer to us sometimes have to uh, create those pathways for ourselves. And through those challenges and through those struggles, those of us who are the most successful are the most successful because we're able to find um, the beauty in, in that process, the beauty in our struggle. And so, you know, very early on, like you were hustling, you were grinding because you had to, because you had to handle things for yourself. You had to handle things for your mother. Um, you had to grow up very quickly and, um, you had to take on a lot of responsibility. And so I've always wanted to support you in that process because from the moment I met you, you've been a person invested in um, setting up success for yourself as a means to create pathways for other people. So I just have a lot of respect for that. Definitely, definitely. I appreciate that. Um, you have mentioned that, <clears throat> excuse me, you had mentioned that I had to take care of a lot of responsibility early, early long. Um, and it's just crazy that you say that because it's the truth, right? Um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer since I was 
um, the age of five. She was the only person in the state of California to necessarily be diagnosed with this specific type of breast cancer. And the doctors didn't know how to deal with this. So they technically gave her three to six months to live. Right. Mm -hmm. And so having to have that conversation and understanding transitioning um, at the age of five was really, really new to me. But I was so young, I didn't know how to adapt to it. All I knew is, okay, you know, something may happen to my mom. So I need to go ahead and, um, you know, listen to everything that she told me. So she showed me how to walk to school on my own. Um, so I was getting up literally from middle school to high school and even college by myself. You know, even if I was late, I was there. Um, and then it was just like to know that over time, you have somebody that was given only three to six months to live, um, but I was blessed to have her until I was 18. Um, and so I think that to understand the trauma that that came with necessarily, um, not in a bad way, you know, the tenacity it provided me, the ability to navigate the world amongst my own vision or whatever route I decided to choose. Um, and it was kind of tricky because I grew up with a father, um, gang affiliated, had a drug addiction, went through abuse. Um, but I know that he did his best. You get what I'm saying? The same thing with my mom. Um, and so I think that when, um, Upward Bound had came to Lincoln High School that day and I was more interested in learning more about the information and opportunities that you guys provided, it was just always, oh, you need your parents to sign. And with me, it was like I signed it anyway and told my mom about it later. And so mm -hmm. I think that um, when I met you, I was already on the road to destruction. Mm -hmm. um, at this time, I think I was getting into a lot of fights. Um, I was constantly going through whatever I needed to go through so that I could get to where I needed to go. I was raised off survival. You know, I didn't know nothing about love. And so when I met you, it was like, dang, maybe I can be somebody. Maybe I can change the narrative. Maybe I can um, be bigger than what is expected, you know, because they, they said you were going to be the first person to either be in juvenile, which I was already on the road to, um, be pregnant, dead, or high school dropout, or worst case scenario besides that, this jail. And I didn't want that for myself. And I think that working with you, it was like I wanted to change the narrative. And how do you do that? And you do that by breaking generational cycles. Um, I think that uh, earlier you had also mentioned something about this notion of a beautiful struggle. And um, if you can, please elaborate um, on the rose that grew from concrete theory, um, because I think that that is very, very symbolic to the growth that has happened with the work that we have done together. Yeah, I mean, Talib Kweli is the one who, who he has a song called The Beautiful Struggle, but you just brought up um, Tupac's, right, Rose from Concrete, and it's, it's overly used, it's used all the time, but I think it, it's Tupac's analysis that's always been profound to me around you You can have these roses and, and the rose can be symbolic of folks who grow up in, in um, struggling communities or communities that have been constructed in a way that are that are working toward their demise. And, you know, the rose represents that where you had this rose that basically has concrete laid over it. Right. So it's not even given an opportunity from from the beginning. And so many of us who grew up in Bayview, many of us um, who come from communities that have been literally been historically constructed to kill us. A lot of us um, identify with with that rose and Tupac. When he talks about the rose, uh, what was fascinating to me is that um, he says the society focuses on the bent petals. Right. Society focuses on the dirt and is like, Ugh, right. Look at that. And that that, you know, many teachers, many educators, many, many uh, POs do that. Right. There's this emphasis on the consequences of our realities. Right. Rather than, uh, as Tupac said, looking at the fact that like, damn, that rose just grew from concrete. You're still here after there's been confounding factors, a number of factors that were invested in your demise and you're still here. And so, so much of my early pedagogy and so much of my early um, teaching approaches were focused on that idea of what does it mean to celebrate 
the beauty that has come from that struggle rather than the 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 what should be expected we should see some dirt we should see some bent pedals because y'all have laid concrete over us right that's Just one way to look at it historically generationally yes mm-hmm. Gen- you said you said it right generational so when we talk about generational we're talking about a history we're talking about his uh, a, a historical um you know a perpetuation of oppression through generations and um which has contributed to where we live and how we live and so we could look at the bin petals we can look at where we're placed we can look at our communities or and we can look at how we got here and so much of of my work with you when you were younger was just providing that historical context of what we have access to, what our communities look like is, is not our fault. This is by design. And by knowing that, right, Tupac, that, that's, that's the, the son of a Black Panther. So he had a historical context of, of the way in which, um, how we got to where we are. And so in so many ways, I, I, that was my goal very early on was to provide that. For us, and, and it was under the belief that if you can understand how you got here, and really that our history transcends that, right? That that even you know where we started, we we have a memory that extends beyond our enslavement. So so much of our work, my work with y'all, and our time together was really about unfolding that history to understand the the plan that was working against us. So that we don't internalize it and that we can actually study history in the ways in which our ancestors and the people who fought for us have worked against it in the ways in which we have to actually um, advance their visions. And so true to myself and your brand and the way you're working and moving is an extension of those projects of resistance. It's an extension of the love of our ancestors. And so when you think about what it means to be true to myself, you can't be true to yourself without having an understanding of who you are. You can't have an understanding of who you are unless you have an understanding of where you come from. Releasing Still True to Myself on July 26, 2020 is something that I hold dear to me. Not only is it a milestone, but it's a celebration of life of my mother, Regina Barr. July 26, 2020 marks 11 years since my mother has transitioned and being called home. It's a mark of 11 years of growth, breaking generational curses, breaking generational cycles, changing the behavior and changing the narrative. It marks the beautiful struggle. It marks the growth that needs to happen both amongst ourselves, um, with friends and family, and in the community and space that we live in. But I need you guys to understand that change does not happen until you start with yourself. And that's why Still True To Myself podcast was created. My ultimate goal is to help you guys search within thyself and see where you are ready to change. How are you gonna make that change? And how are you going to begin to change the narrative, most importantly? And so, as we go ahead and get started on today's conversation, which is the rebirth, both mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, the work cannot happen until you reevaluate, enlighten yourself, and understand that change is going to come, but does not come until it starts within. Welcome to this first episode of Still True to Myself podcast. It's your girl, Zanaya, and I'll be host, creator and founder of True to Myself LLC. I look forward to what our conversations have to come. And I look forward to, to hearing stories of other individuals who utilize their struggle um, to necessarily create that 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 positive change to to search for their passion to turn that that energy towards their passion and to necessarily turn that passion into a profit you are now tuned into still true to myself
so when you think about what it means to be true to myself, you can't be true to yourself without having an understanding of who you are. You can't have an understanding of who you are unless you have an understanding of where you come from. It's, and it's funny that you say that because um, when people ask, well, what is your podcast going to be about? And I tell them it's about healing yourself, understanding generationally, where does the narrative have to change? When does the things that were passed down to us have to stop? You get what I'm saying? And, it, and it's crazy because we left off before I asked you that question was they said that I should have been in a few different places. I could have been in juvenile, pregnant, high school dropout, jail, dead, whatever the situation is. I ended up being one of the first people in my family to graduate with a degree after San Francisco State told me to quit. You get what I'm saying? And the reason why I kept going was solely because I wanted to go to school to understand the system systematically. My degree is in criminal justice studies when I'm minor in Africana. And that was just by default because a lot of my law classes were black history classes. And all of those black history classes within law fell under criminal justice. You get what I'm saying? And so it was just like my mom grew up um, wanting to go to school. Um, but then it didn't work out for her. And so her whole life's purpose was to see me graduate. But um, unfortunately, God had other plans for her, um, you know. And so it was just like it was unfortunate because she had a massive heart attack. Um, May 2009, about two, three days before my graduation um, and came out of a coma on my graduation day. Um, right as a, right before I was getting ready to walk across the stage. And um, I wasn't going to go to my graduation, but the reason why I went was because I understood that education was very, very important to her. Um, my great-great-great-grandmother got kicked off a reserva reservation, excuse me, for having a baby by a black man. You get what I'm saying? And then when they had my grandmother, Odie, education was real important to them because that was something that they were told they couldn't have. Um, and so if I was able to pick up where my ancestors left off, it was going to go to school. However, I did it. If I was going to pick up where my ancestors left off, it was to pick up their narrative of community um, activism, inclusion, equality, making a difference, um, fighting against systems that were systematically um, created to work against us. Um, and I say all of that to say this, that, that is tenacity. And so when my mom kind of transitioned before she finally went um, on July 26, we're going to talk about alignment. When we talk about alignment, um, I think that I was destined to do the work that I do now because everything that I have led up to has released um, this podcast today. Um, and my mom was pronounced deceased um, for seven minutes before they brought her back. Um, then she was in a coma for two to three days. Then after that, she flatlined two or three more times um, the following months before she finally transitioned July 26, 2009 at 10.23 p.m. Right, And so my ultimate goal and vision for Still True to Myself is this. Um, my mom had asked me, um, we always had conversations because we really never knew when she was going to go. Um, and she said, if you do anything for me when I pass, I just want you to do two things. Every year, celebrate my birthday. And every year, I want you to celebrate my death anniversary. And I said, why? She said, because all I like to do is just have fun, enjoy laughs, and just enjoy the memories with people, my family, the ones that I love. And so I think that I kept that promise every year as much as my financial situation would allow me to, right? But I think that I'm at a point in my life where I've I don't want to say that I've fully done the work because there's always room to grow. There's more things to always learn. But I think that I have began my healing process enough to share the story and the trials and tribulations that I have came to and release this podcast on her 11th anniversary day, which is July 26, 2020. Just so that every year after that, because you taught me how to survive at a young age, because you exposed me to a lot of things that you, you exposed me to and you gave me the voice to kind of live and lead my own life, this is why we're here, you know, and then that kind of just speaks measures to 
the the transitioning stages that I've had um, when I graduated Lincoln and um, got accepted to San Francisco State through the ELP program was that, um, and just to give you guys light on what the ELP program is, it's the Educational Opportunity Program that kind of just supports underserved um, individuals that come from, um, you know, unfortunate backgrounds to kind of go and enjoy the education system and get that degree. Um, and so I took advantage of that opportunity. I was the person like Tiff. You remember when <laughs> I used to get made fun of because they were like, you were always writing a scholarship. Like, you're always doing something. And I said, well, because it's free money and I really want to go to school. And if, if my mom can't pay for it and nobody's going to pay for it, then I got to make a way. And so people will really, like, look like, are you serious right now? Yeah. You know, at any given moment, at any given moment, I remember – even um, working with Granville, um, we both went to Third Baptist Church, and they were giving us a scholarship. And we were up all night really trying to get it together and figure it out. And, and we couldn't, like, we didn't get accepted. We didn't get the, we didn't get the scholarship. But the point is we, they seen that hustle. You get what I'm saying? And, and that's the same with the ELP program. Unfortunately, my mom passed away in the middle of getting accepted into that program. And I called them up literally to, um, I called them up that morning and said, hey, my mother passed away last night. Please give me a day. I'm going to go ahead and uh, gather my family and friends together, and we're going to, you know, distribute roles and get whatever we need to get going, and I'll be back the following day. And they told me to quit. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, do you remember that conversation? I do. Um, you know, and so... It was just like, for me, I, I didn't want to take no for an answer. So when, when my advisor at the time told me to quit, I said, yo, look, check this out. My mother passed away last night, and if anybody's going to tell me that I'm going to quit, I'm gonna, it's going to be me. This was her dream, and I didn't really want this at first. So now this is my dream. And so if I got to take tests, crying and all, that's what I'm going to do. If I got to take um, classes, uh, and just, you know, have that on my mind. This is what I'm going to do because I, I just, in my spirit, it was like, this is what it is. Unfortunately, I didn't pass those classes. Excuse me. Unfortunately, I didn't pass those classes. And so um, I'm at City, sitting on the floor, literally, like, trying to hold my spot in that class. And next thing you know, it was like, somebody is blowing my phone up. Somebody is blowing my phone up. And I was like, okay, who is calling me? Next thing you know, I was like, okay, I got to stretch. It was the EOP um, executive director on the phone. And uh, he was like, hey, um, I was just aware of your situation. And I apologize that my staff member told you to quit because that's not, that's not what we represent. And he said, but you showed tenacity. You showed resilience. You, you still fight it for your spot here at San Francisco State. And he said, we need more people like you to have that fight in them to go ahead and change the world. And so I want to go ahead and welcome you and admit you to San Francisco State. And it was just like, are you serious? Like, I dropped to my knees and cried. Like, people are looking at me like, are you okay? And I just started screaming, like, I got accepted. Like, that was really, really big. And I think, you know, I think that that was my mother's blessing in disguise, as many people may not even, like, know that. Like, you know, I just took that as, this is your chance. And I wasn't there for you, but I want you to know that I'm here with you in spirit. And that's just how I took it. Um, you know, I don't know if you want to shed light on our conversation that day. Yeah, I mean, I, I even want to go back before that. I feel like a part of the story that you left out was that you 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 got your own spot at San Francisco State. <laughs> and that's an important... Uh, yeah, I remember it. Okay. You, you, left, you leave that out, and I think that's really powerful is that we went up there for um we went up there for one of those little college weekends and they didn't even have your name your information and you didn't leave you didn't leave without your paper and um I, I want to put that on record as well because that's a different type of hustle that's a, a, a refusal to a no that I think is really key and I want to say something around this. I think sometimes we push this narrative of the academy and college and higher education like that's like that is education. That's schooling. And I want to differentiate the two. You have pursued education within the academy um, and you've learned some things. But we also know that a lot of our education came outside of the university. Uh, most of our education. 
particularly the conversations that we have with our parents, particularly the conversations that we have with, with, with folks on the block. That's education. Now, this thing that gives us legitimacy and these, these pieces of paper that, that mean something to some people, I don't want to push the narrative that that's, that's the way people got to go. Because really, the way they did you, Zanida, they don't deserve you. The way they did you and the way that they do a number of, of young people year after year, the way they did me, they don't deserve us. And so I, I want that on record in that your spirit, your grind, your commitment to excellence, they don't deserve but you gave it to them and uh, you you developed a particular muscle throughout those years that had nothing to do with the university. It had everything to do with the education that your mom and your community instilled in you so that when you did have this violence imposed upon you, when you did have these same attacks, these are different forms of concrete that were laid over you by the academy. So that when those things did happen, you knew how to grow in that, in unfair conditions, you know? And so I want to highlight that because there's a number of people who are listening to you. I don't want them to think that pathways through the university is the only means. I would actually say, don't do that. Right. But, but what I want to emphasize is that you, you developed a muscle that, that is what so many of us aspire to. You were given so many opportunities to quit. Um, and not just the university, but, but you were given opportunities to quit at life. You were given a number of times to quit, rightful times to quit. And you didn't. And for that, I want to acknowledge that's the type of education that we look up to. That's the type of education and legacy that you are leaving for so many, um, young people and so many, you know, folk your age, even who are looking at, well, how do I get up? How do I stand up? How do I fight for what I want? And so I, you know, we're appreciative of you and the muscle that you developed and the discipline that you developed and the way in which you model for so many of us what it means to righteously refuse a no. Yes, and 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 that's crazy that you say that because I get that a lot. A lot of people are like, you are passionate. And um, all I can say is in reply to that is that, first and foremost, I appreciate that because I think that I don't give myself enough credit. I think that I'm always hard on myself on, like, how can I be better? What can I do better? So on and so forth. And I think my mind is so, 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 like, it races so much. It's like you got to chill out and kind of reflect at where you're at and what you have already accomplished. Yes, it's more to come, but you're already on that road. Um, and I think that I was reading something. I was just reading something to find one of my, you know, morning positive affirmations. And um, somebody said that the best experience um, does not come from getting a degree. It comes from life lessons. It comes from um, going through whatever it is that you grow through and then being able to grow through that within that, whatever the situation is. And I think that um, a lot of people miss that because, if I can go back and self-teach everything that I know now, oh, I think I would have saved a lot of time and money. But I don't regret it because I accept and I appreciate the process. Yeah. Um, and it's just crazy because, as I said, when we talk about alignment, Tip, you gifted true to myself to me on my graduation day, which is May 24th, 2014. I legally own this business um, as of May 17th to 2019. And so I think that all of these trials and tribulations has literally aligned and led me up to this point. Um, because every time they tried to knock me down, mm -hmm. all I had was myself first. So I was there to pick myself back up. Kevin Gates said it best. Every time they there to knock you down, I'm going to be here to build you back up. And then with that, came, okay, you have to understand that it does not always have to be on you. You get what I'm saying? And that's when I started networking and extending um, that extra support from you, um, understanding that this is what I want to do. And you putting me in a position or just even a, a thought process of, okay, this is what you got to do and this is the work you got to do to get there, what you ready to do. You get what I'm saying? And I think that every time you challenged me, I never took no for an answer, you know? And I, I even tell my personal trainer this. I may talk my mess. 
you know, I may have an attitude and I may throw a fit, but I said, but believe, believe me, it's going to get done and I'm going to go extra hard in doing it. Um, <laughs> and so I think that that's just, that's a lot. That's deep. You know, um, I think that part of going to school, um, was to understand the systems and systems that were created to work against us. Right. Um, and then when I graduated, I went on to USC with an MSW um, in, in, in administration. And I went back to work behind the scenes to kind of help people like myself build programs um, to serve the underserved in the black and brown um, community, but not limited, you know? Um, but unfortunately, I ended up getting kicked out of that because I was scared. I remember the day I, I applied to USC, I was like, Tiff, I, did I tell you? I think I told you, I was like, Tiff, I think I'm about to go back for my master's. Um, and I was like, man, I'm not going to get accepted. I'm not going to get accepted. And then the same thing that San Francisco State hit me with, they hit me with. Congratulations. Welcome to USC. But the same hardship that I got there was the same hardship that I was experiencing at San Francisco State, which was just being discriminated against for having dyslexia. Um, them not fully understanding when it came to me statistics, oh, it's not going to work. I don't care how many tutors I have. I don't care whatever the situation is, but it was like, it was alignment. The universe was setting things in, in, in place for me to overcome those, those classes that were very, very hard for me, which was really only statistics and math. It just was not more forte. Um, and then unfortunately, at that same time, I had to balance my father and his addiction. You get what I'm saying? I'm talking as I'm writing papers at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I also have to go in the streets looking for this man, making sure he's safe. Every time I found him high off whatever he was high off of in a car, parked somewhere, he done had an accident, he had somebody else's house who just robbed him, I got to go rob everything back. Like, whatever the situation is, and it was just like time after time, every time I took 10 steps forward, I had to take 20 steps back. And it was just like the narrative has to stop. The narrative, I mean, the the the, the generational alcoholism, the generational inherited uh, um, abuse, whatever the situation is, the narrative has to stop here for you, and it's going to begin here now for me so that I can change a, a different narrative because I don't want to be, ex I don't want that life no more. And that's, that's what's significant about the two and true to myself is that the two represents two things, the life we were born into. We didn't ask for this. And the, 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 the two represents the, the second aspect, which is, so we were born into what we didn't ask for or something that we seem problematic or something that is working against us. What are we going to do about it? You get what I'm saying? And so now I'm on the journey of the life I'm going to create, you know, and that, that goes off of ownership. If you, if you look at the transformation that has been done, um, you get what I'm saying? Like true to myself has been made and crafted by me personally with insight from everybody on the True to Myself team. Like, I consider you part of my team, my PR, my business manager, my other mentors. I mean, the mentees that I have brought along the way. Like, Tiff, I've taught, um, I've taught entrepreneurship to 70 individuals for free before I just secured two of my individuals now that are paying customers. You get what I'm saying? So it took me 11 years to rebuild this foundation, um, being that I needed to... I needed to heal. I knew I needed to heal. And what I am working on now for 2020, we don't have nothing but time. So if you don't come out of this uplifted, enlightened, ready to conquer the world and level up, then there's something wrong. And maybe, you know, I, I hate to say it, but maybe you are the problem, you know? And um, I just look at it as the time is now. There's no better time. Um, so when we look at the transformation that has happened, like I don't went homeless. I lived off of J.J. Mills um, for months at a time until I was able to be, you know, get get stable. I caught, excuse me, I caught cases that got dropped. Um, and people have to fail to realize they hold on to the Zenaida that was, excuse me, raised off survival. I didn't know nothing about love. Love didn't live here. You get what I'm saying? Like, love didn't live here. And, uh, just as I continue to progress, um, a lot of people would get mad because I distanced myself because I had to heal, you know? Um, and as that healing process started, um, and I started going to school and I got my BA and now I'm in my MSW, 
I went to understand my trauma and I went to understand my father and his addiction, understanding why did I have to experience this behavior and, and, and really came to the root of the, what the result was. And then when I got, when I got dismissed from USC, um, I ended up going back to, uh, I ended up going back to city for, um, my AA in drug and alcohol counseling come to find out the whole after just the studies and just understanding who, what, when, where, and why when it comes to just the biology and the dialect of understanding the body and the effects of drugs, my father had an addiction because he had a chronic pain that medicine was not helping him fix. You get what I'm saying? And so to understand that and to walk out of hurt people don't hurt people, that's just an excuse, became bigger for me. July 26, 2009, 11 years ago today, I lost my mother at the age of 18. With every odd working against me, I learned how to be resilient. I learned how to hustle to get where I am now. And I learned that when you go knocking on the door and they tell you no, you come back until you own the building. And when you own the building, you pave the way for you and your team to go ahead and buy in on the block. That's tenacity. That's resilience. I think that my mother fought. I actually witnessed her fighting for her life. Back to back. And she wasn't ready to leave. I actually had a nurse question the day that she passed. Why are you doing this to her? She's suffering so on and so forth. But what they failed to realize is that we always had that conversation. And I always kept my word. She said, you have them resuscitate me until there's no coming back. And what Regina wanted, Regina got. And that's just what I was instilled with. Whatever I want, I'm going to get. This episode, The Rebirth, speaks to overcoming adversity from a beautiful struggle. I kept a promise to my mom to celebrate her life two times out of the year, one on her birthday and one on her transition day. 11 years of healing, 11 years of changing the narrative of the life I am creating so that I could create the, the promise or at least the opportunity to break generational inheritance generational habits, generational trauma, and redirect that by changing the narrative to creating generational growth, generational wealth, taking it back and picking it back up where our ancestors left off. This day will mark the anniversary to our new journey and beginning of Still True to Myself as a gift to my mother. And we are back to our interview today with Tiffany Marie. You know, and so it was just kind of like wanting to continue the foundation of true to myself. Um, I wanted to understand how I could heal myself and motivate those to heal them too by breaking generational cycles. I graduated 2014, six years later, postgraduate. I'm a motivational speaker. I got a streetwear clothing brand. I'm launching this podcast. I'm coaching individuals to create whatever it is that they want to create with whatever it is that they go through. So you're going to take that pain. You're going to channel it to find to, to find it to, to create a, a higher energy for yourself. You get what I'm saying? And once you do that, you, you focus that towards your passion and turn that passion into a profit. Um, you know, I think that, I think that it's just, it's just, it's just amazing. And I just appreciate the fact that you took the time to invest in me all of these years. Like you never gave up. And I think that, uh, you were, you were somebody that I never had, you know, and it was just like, as soon as we connected, it was, it was just kind of up from there. Um, you know, and I wanted to know, like, I think I, I've never really asked you this neither. Like, how did you see um, motivational speaking as a form of healing for me? Because I think that once you really found out and understood my story, um, and I think you even were talking to my mom at some point, um, you were saying that, you know, I think you need to start telling your story. And I said, well, how do I do that? 
She said, you just talk, <laughs> you know? And so I was just kind of like, okay. And then, you know, over time, and I still work with one of the mentees you introduced me to till this day, you know, one of the times, the first time I think you had me guest speak, um, I had like three or four students come up to me and was like, well, how do you balance with your mom dealing with cancer? My grandma has cancer. Uh, you know, my, my auntie has cancer and I, I'm trying to be strong for her, but I don't know how, cause I got to help her raise my sisters and brothers. So what, what, what made you kind of like gravitate that outlet for me? I mean, I think it's a combination of things I think it's been watching you over the years. Um, whether you, whether it's, you got a mouthpiece, let's just be transparent here. <laughs> <laughs> You know, thinking back to... When they call the security bag, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thinking back to some of your presentations where, like, you was up all night doing other stuff, but you still came in, and you were able to handle this presentation because you got mouthpiece. And I think that's just one, you know, I peeped that very early on, like, okay, I have a lot of respect for that because that's a form of wisdom that's, that's not really honored often. Uh, so first, I noticed that a while ago, and I, I don't see that as, as cheating. I see that as wisdom, um, unrecognized, unappreciated wisdom. And then I think it was our time, your time with um, doing some of the work with our young people where I got to sit back and listen. And it's one thing where you're writing a paper. I can see your ideas there. And I put these edits and, and such in your paper and these suggestions for revision. But it was a, a completely different thing to hear you speak. And it's a powerful thing as a person who's been gifted, which I've been gifted to to mentor and to be an educator to you. It's a powerful thing to be able to sit back sometimes and, and just listen and sit back and be in awe of, of, you know, your family now, but to be in awe of your family. And so I got those opportunities when you actually were able to come back and support me in some of the work with, with, with younger generations. And so when I listened to you, I was moved greatly because it wasn't just your story. It was the way in which you were pulling the story together. And subconsciously, you were making meaning of the story as you told it. And so as you told the story, I saw you healing in the process. Right, right. And so it informed even how I taught public speaking to young people, where public speaking then became a huge component of my work because I, I saw through you how meaning-making happens when you begin to tell your story. Yes. And how everything around you, every struggle, every joy, every any assignment, whether you're in school or you have this challenge, when you start to center your story within it, it makes so much more sense. Anything you're going through, and you were able to do that so flawlessly. And my work is always about how do I support people in doing what they were born to do? And so being able to sit back and listen to you, this – this wasn't, maybe it was a suggestion, but I, I feel like it was divine in that spirit was saying, was confirming in me to pass on to you that this is your purpose and that this is exactly what you were born to do. And I don't want to say that you were supposed to struggle. I think that lends itself to some problematics. But what I will say is that each of us experience what we experience specifically not just for ourselves, but so that we can support other people. So there are some struggles that are just shady. But there are some things that we go through um, which are part of our larger purpose. And for me, you had already connected that. Whether it was subconscious, it was already in you to be denied, to have extreme loss, to have to parent Right, you were experiencing the devastation necessary, not just experiencing it, but growing through it in a way that would help you to be a person for other people who are going through that. You ain't about to listen to nobody. You're not about to receive the words of anybody who's who's it's not real. Spirit reaches spirit. Okay. But because you grew through it, because you have an understanding of why you went through it, that's gonna reach the minds, the hearts, and most importantly, the spirit of the young people who, who, who you were eventually called to speak with. Right. You say that because um, a lot of people don't know this. When life got really, 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 really hard for me, when I mean like 
there was no way out of the situations that I was in. And life was like, it was a wrap for me. Like, I really was suicidal. And I remember I called my sister. This was some years ago. And I was like, look, I'm ready to go. You know, I love you. This is what it is. Tell my family I love them. And she stopped. She literally drove to where I was at. And she was like, you need to understand that how do you know that you're not the motivation for somebody else still being here because they see you go through what you go through for because they see you be able to, you know, transition that into a positive outlook or really just make things happen despite all the adversity going through. How do you know that you being here isn't saving somebody else's life? And it's unfair for you to want to take your own life when there's still other people here that 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 need to experience you. You get what I'm saying? And then come to find out, I had two individuals, her and another individual was like, yo, you tripping. You get what I'm saying? And then it just was like a wake-up call, like, dang, how do I know I wasn't that person that kind of saved somebody that before whatever the situation is? You get what I'm saying? And, and come to find out I was in a lot, of, a lot of different ways, whether it's, you know what, you saved me from this relationship or you saved me from making one bad move away from whatever the next decision was. And so just historically understanding that you cannot give up in life and that resiliency is definitely key to getting what it is that you want and Eric Thomas says says it best how bad do you want it you get what I'm saying I want to level up and I want to level up as bad as I want to breathe but I'm also willing to put in the work and the work has to start with me you get what I'm saying and this message is for anybody else ready to put in the work the the, the work starts with you um, you know, and so whew, that was just a lot. And I truly, truly appreciate the fact that uh, you shed some light on some of the things that I forgot as far as what I'm really doing it for and the progress that I have made and that the things that I'm doing now and the steps that I'm taking and the projects that are happening is is not in vain, you know. Um, and I think that uh, I don't think that we were able to kind of go into like your business um, a little bit. And I kind of want to shed light on the work that you do today um, and what, what the future looks like for you and your brand. I um, mean, like, what, what does it mean to be true to yourself? Mm. Well, so, you know, I appreciate that. So much of my work, a lot of folks uh, or some people know me from my work in schools and a lot of my work to this day is, 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 beginning to help people shift out of those spaces and to establish uh, our own educational spaces taught by people who love black children um, to be able to grow our own food, to be able to heal ourselves and make our own medicine. And so, so much, so much of what I'm moving into is based on a memory of the, the, the greatness that we come from. And so I talked earlier about an extension beyond slavery, and I think so much of what we're taught uh, starts there. And that, that sounds kind of stereotypical, but what I'm getting at is um, even when you think about getting here to this country, a lot of black people getting here to this country, we tell this narrative of black people on slave ships and, and, and during the, the, the whip and the crack of the whip, which is true. But what we don't talk about is that a number of folks got off those ships and refused to be enslaved. Mm -hmm. And they built and established their own communities outside of the plantations. Right, right. Called maroon communities. And we don't really talk about that. So there were a number of people who resisted enslavement. And this is not to knock anybody who was enslaved, but it is to draw attention to the fact that many of us have ancestors who were never enslaved. And established our own ways of being and existing. And some people might even call that hustling. But really it was just a memory of our life before that world had ended. Where we maintained our indigenous languages. Where we maintained our indigenous practices of holding each other up. Exactly. Of centering our purpose. And so for me, in thinking about my work, so much of it has been a separation of that. Has been trying to be successful in the plantation. Has been trying to grind in a way in which the white gaze celebrates. And I and, and my work and my work with young people and my work with communities now is pushing us away from those models. Mm-hmm. And so if we are hustling or if we are grinding, then that's for our own community gardens. Okay. 
if we are hustling, we are grinding, that's for us to make our own clothing brands that don't rely on the oppression of other people around the world. Right. And there's ways right. to do that. I started sewing this year. Z, I don't know if you know that. No, I didn't I'm know really that. trying to push us toward, like, how do we make our own and our own not being a means of having to oppress other people? Right. So for me, what it means to be true to self, and I said this a little bit earlier, is much of what you have been um, promoting and much of what you have, have embodied and actualized for so many of us. But, like, I, I don't, I, I respect the grind and I respect folk who grind, but I'm also into creating a space for people who can't do that yet and for people who just need to be fed and for people who, who, who need to be built up before they can actually exercise that agency for themselves. I want to reestablish our communities. I want us to govern our own communities. Definitely. I want us to police our own communities. Definitely. I want us to teach our own children. And so me, what it means for me to be true to myself is to remember who I am and where I come from and to remember the fact that we established our own communities outside of plantations and before we did that, um, we are indigenous to lands. We have our own indigenous languages, ways of being and existing. And for me, what it means to be true to ourselves is to begin the process of remembering that. It's in us in the same way that when you started speaking and doing your public speaking, that spirit of your ancestors came forward. All of it's in us. And so I, I just really push people to do the work and to surround themselves with people who will help them remember that. Yes, yes. Yes, definitely, definitely. Well, I appreciate you, your knowledge. Tiff, you know I love you. Tiff, as soon as you are able to, you know, come out the house or whatever the situation is, I got all three of your hats. Um, you know, come on now. <laughs> mask on the way, shirts on the way. Um, and so to anybody that is interested in potentially working with you or getting more um, information about the work that you do in these communities and, and for yourself, um, how are they able to contact you by chance? Um, hit us up. We're on Instagram. I'm trying to see what my name, what our name is. On Instagram. <laughs> it's all good. I think it's like Hope Dealer, Hope Dealer SF or something like that. Um, you got to tell them what, what my name is. I think it's Hope Dealer, Hope Dealer SF. Hope Dealer SF. Let me see. I just Hit posted us up. it. I just posted it. Hold on. Let me see. It is it is at H2O dot productions. That is oh wait. Oh yeah. We're Hope Dealer SF on Instagram and then our um website is H2O Prod P R O D dot org. First and foremost, I want to thank you, Tiffany Marie. I appreciate you for taking the time out your busy schedule to help me release this podcast, to actually be my first guest. I think that um, it wouldn't have been right if I didn't ask you um, to bless my podcast as my first guest because I think that you were the only person or one of the people who were able to actually see the transformation, the transition, the beautiful struggle, the grew from concrete when it came to me as a person and when it came to my brand true to myself and every step of the way every obstacle I face you've always challenged me and for that I will forever be grateful because I promise you if it wasn't for your support if it wasn't for you to just encourage me to keep going and really question what I wanted to do and how bad I really wanted it I wouldn't be here today, Tiff. And so I want to thank you. And I appreciate you. And I want to continue to do the work. I want to continue to do more work. And, you know, in our conversation, you said that we have a lot of unlearned behavior that we need to unlearn. You get what I'm saying? We have a lot of toxicities that we need to kind of weigh out and figure out and figure out how are you going to um, go past that and you're putting a lot of the work in and I want to be part of that process and so you know we'll definitely link offline but I just want to truly truly appreciate you um, because you are heaven sent and I don't know if anybody told you but you know the work you do does not go unnoticed and it is not in vain I promise you um, peace and love to you and I wish you nothing but the best um, as I said earlier I am definitely interested in bringing you back on our show um, in a few more weeks as an artist 
because I definitely want to hear more of your music. I'm going to tell you now, I meditate to it every morning. <laughs> um, well, thank you again and give it up to my guest, Tiffany Marie. Um, I appreciate you. Peace and love, Tiff. Peace and love. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to the first episode, The Rebirth, of Still True to Myself. I am super, super excited to go on this journey with you. Um, I'm super excited to link you with individuals who have a story to tell. I am super excited to link you with individuals who've gone through the healing process, who can give you resourceful information, who can help all of us gravitate to the next level. I am super excited to the conversations that are yet to come. Next week, I'll have a special guest um, who's very important and plays a pivotal role in my brand, in my business. And he's going to talk about streetwear clothing, branding your business, ownership, and many more topics that I know that you all can benefit from. It's your girl Zanita, host of Still True to Myself podcast. I look forward to seeing you next week. And again, thank you. And remember, remain true to yourself through whatever. I chose.